0: There <laughs> will
1: be fire. Welcome to the Arise Podcast. My name is Oliver Books, and I'm the Communications Director here at Christ United Methodist Church. And I am joined by
0: Pastor Katie Lee for another couple of days. And
2: I'm Pastor Elizabeth McCauley, the pastor here at the church.
1: So, we are going to celebrate starting a podcast studio and. Mourn the, the leaving of Pastor Katie in podcast form. But
0: not in a snotty way. <laughs> podcast mourning. <laughs> I don't, I don't Insert sounds of weeping children.
1: <laughs> it's amazing what you can do in post, like I was saying. Just
0: children.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, five years ago, uh, Katie and I walked into this church together. Katie had just graduated from Princeton Theological Seminary. Yes, And I don't know what you thought you were walking into. Pastor Katie, what was that feeling like?
0: I remember the call I got. I was in the cafeteria in Princeton, uh, at Princeton Seminary and got the call and was very hyped on adrenaline right away. uh, But also was feeling a little uncertain because I'd never really heard much about Rochester. I'd never been to Rochester except for a random Shane and Shane concert at Autumn Ridge, I think, when I was in college. And uh, so as a Twin Cities kid, I didn't know much about it. So I had anticipation and trepidation. And then walking in the first day, I was very nervous and uh, had no idea what I was doing. I remember feeling for the whole first few weeks that I should pretend like I was working, but I didn't know what I was actually doing. <laughs> so, like sitting at my computer like, what next? <laughs> what happens? Uh, and also um, maybe because I don't know what was going on, but it felt like a little bit of a ghost town uh, in July in Rochester at that time. Uh, so remember taking a lot of solo walks and this was before I got a cat, so spending a lot of time alone uh, and watching episodes of House on TV to try to understand more medical lingo. Because, of course, it's, it's just like that. Because it's just <laughs> right. like House. And uh, it didn't help except the word intubate. I learned the word intubate you from that show. Yeah, I know what that means. Um, so, all of that being said, yeah, I was not sure what I was walking into and uh, very quickly realized that a lot of my time would be spent not with youth and children, but with adults who are older than me. Um, most of my time here has been with the staff uh, because that's the nature of work. You're often working with your colleagues and in the building. And at that time, we had five of us pastors on staff who ranged from my age as the youngest uh, to up through the children and music and pastoral staff up to uh, in the 70s. And so I learned very quickly that this was going to be stretching me not just to become a leader in youth ministry and young adults, but also to learn how to be in colleagueship and in ministry with, uh, with people of all ages and all generations. Mm-hmm. It's been an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But something <laughs>
2: gave you energy when you said yes to this. So what were you, what were you excited about when you came through the door? And what are you excited
0: about as you go out the door? Uh, what I was excited about, well, I was very excited to work with Elizabeth McCauley. I had met her in a secret spy meeting <laughs> at Richfield uh, and um, felt felt that we would be a good pair. From So I was excited about that possibility. And having a female mentor uh, and colleague because I had... Not had very significant female mentors in ministry roles, so that was a plus. I was excited about the number of members I heard about. Uh, It turned out to be a few less than originally predicted, but it's still a large church, and I was excited to be with lots of people because people give me energy. Um, What I'm excited about leaving is uh, I love... Leaving when with things being in a good place, I feel energized, not feeling like I'm dropping uh, a ball down a downhill slope, but that um, I'm dropping a ball onto a stable ground and into capable hands and that there has been growth over my time here. Um, I feel like the real test of my time here will be coming coming back and stocking the website a year from now and seeing what's continued to grow uh, because if things stagnate or stop, that's not the intention I had in coming to this place. I found I've been interested in having this be a ministry in a time where I learn to cultivate sustainability. And I don't think I knew how to do that for four and a half years maybe of being here, but maybe <laughs> towards the end, we've gotten into some sta- sustainability and so yeah, I'm excited to use so much of everything I've learned about ministry. 90% of it has been here since this has been my first call. So, I'm excited to take all of that knowledge and in, into a completely different context. One of the
2: one of the comments that I've loved that you've made as people have kind of dealt with your leaving is that you've spent half your adult life here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so five years <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a good long amount of time that you've given us.
0: Yeah, there's been uh, some of my friends' kids were one and a half when I started, and now they're entering first grade. And there are kids who were in middle school, gawky and awkward and, Now they're gawky, awkward seniors in high school (laughs) or or young adults who are impressively uh, leading and doing amazing things and going after college. So, yeah, so I feel that I've grown a lot uh, and I feel privileged to walk with a lot of people through significant years of of their life through all of their elementary or all of their middle school or all of their high school years.
2: So one of, one of the questions that has intrigued me, and I have felt really grateful and blessed around, um, is the, the generational savvy uh, and sort of sensibilities that I've been able to experience because you've been in ministry here. So what's it been like to be a millennial, in a sea of um, boomers or other people, uh, you know, I know you've had to carry a, a banner sometimes that we've turned to you as our as our spokesperson. But save but our
1: generation, Katie.
2: <laughs> yes, that's just a save little, us. Yeah. Well, it's not too far off because, of course, you know, we're all aware that the future belongs to. Uh, people who are willing to save us. (laughs) What's that been like for you
0: here at this church where you're in a considerable minority as a leader? I think the first, I remember the first challenge of intergenerational ministry was communication because my most familiar form of communication was email. Um, Whereas for the younger generation, younger than me, it's text message. For the next layers above me, it's talking in person, or it's a memo, or it's sometimes a sticky note put on your mailbox, uh, or it's it's hearing something through the grapevine is people's favorite way to communicate, or a phone call. Uh, So it's challenging to pay attention to all these different ways of people talking to you and, uh, and, and trying to gauge what people's moods or thoughts or preferences are based on the type of communication that they have. I remember that that being my biggest challenge for a long time was figuring out, do I need to adapt to everyone else's communication style or do they need to adapt to mine? Should I start writing snail mail letters to people who prefer that? Or do I try to force everyone into my way? And I think the... I think ultimately it's been a bit of a compromise on both levels. It's challenging uh, to not only be the youngest person on staff, but then to have to translate some things to the generations younger than me. And I felt a really big shift. I felt that 2018 was a year of a big shift where suddenly it felt that the generations of youth were no longer in my generation, that my generation as I turned 30 felt like I connected more to the young parents and I connected less with my teenagers and they were in social media worlds that I didn't have. They were involved in Snapchat or communicating in ways that I wasn't as familiar with or wasn't as used to and wasn't going to adapt to. (laughs) So it was hard to then realize I'm no longer the youngest person that I can just rely on what is my preference, but I have to pay attention to something else new the same way that my elder colleagues or people are having to adjust to me. So it's just a constant bit of communication. And there's been certainly miscommunications
2: (laughs) uh,
0: over time, which is fine, and we've done lots of learning. Um, But I am grateful, too, to learn that there are There are soul sisters and soul family amongst all generations, Mm -hmm. which is something uh, there are old souls in young bodies, uh, and there are um, souls that connect to every generation in this church. And so I appreciate that sense that we're not divided, we're not so different. Mm -hmm. That's been a good learning for me, especially when you come out of school, because school is so based so long on your your age and your your grade or your level. Can I
2: ask too, it's been an interesting experience having all women clergy uh, here at Christ Church. Uh, that's a thing that uh, had not ever been here. Um, how much of your experience as a pastor do you think, uh, w- what does gender have to do with how you're perceived, how you are able to move through uh, not only this church but but in leadership as a, as a woman, as a woman clergy, what kind of flavor or, yes. or or sense do you have of how that impacts?
0: I've related to a lot of women's stories. I think there, is, there are issues with catcalling or inappropriate comments. Uh, that people didn't even realize were inappropriate that men don't mm-hmm. often have to deal with comments about my hair or my outfit or my body, which happens to all my co- my female colleagues as well. Um, both within the church as well as outside of the church going to meetings, often people don't say I look say I don't look like a pastor because of perhaps the combination of my age or my outfit or, my gender i remember there being a a camp director from somewhere nearby who heard we had all women clergy and when i told him that he laughed out loud without really an explanation of what was funny about it but just cool. but that was his first reaction so i think that this was this part of the country ended up being a little less familiar with women clergy than where i'd come from on the east coast and So I felt like I'd stepped back in time a little bit. So that was a challenge. Uh, I I also, what I love about it is that you don't even have to try to break people's expectations. You don't have to, (laughs) you just walk walk into a room and just say whatever it is you're gonna say and people's perceptions are changed. So to me, that was also a gift because you can you're, sometimes people will trust you a little more quickly because you are someone unexpected. And so for people who don't love the traditional church, it's already changing some of the ways that they're thinking about traditional church just by me being in my body.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have like a, uh, a perfectly ridiculous
2: story you could share about your time here. I know you have probably a Rolodex of <laughs> many things to choose from, but I think that so often, um, people encounter Sunday mornings, uh, for two or three hours on Sunday mornings, and then, uh, they don't, they don't see all of the, the stuff that goes on back on the the cook line. right? Uh, It's like being in a really nice restaurant. You see what gets served, but you don't even know what goes into making those meals. So tell us a story, Pastor Kim. We're just looking over here, all three of us together, because there's somebody over there walking on our roof. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You never know what you'll see when you come to church here. (laughs) I think, Oh, yeah, there are some silly, there are some silly moments and some silly things. I think, one of our classics is, of course, us, the first year we did having bringing live animals into the church uh, the day before Easter. Uh, and, of course, because it was rainy, we started to bring these giant eight-foot-tall farm animals into the church. Um and
2: because
0: you wouldn't want a donkey to get wet. You wouldn't want a donkey to get wet. Or the people looking at a donkey to get wet. So so that story is classic of the donkey then um, making a pretty spectacular mess. And then our good friend Tracy McRae uh, taking a shovel to the mess in her flip-flops was a really great one. Another, another uh, moment that I loved that felt symbolic for me in ministry was... That we started a Boundary Waters trip here at Christchurch, uh, which they hadn't done for a long time. And the first year that I went, I had a couple leaders back out at the last minute. And when we got another assistant, um, I didn't realize until we were already on the trip and canoeing together that she didn't know where we were going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that she also expected that I was supposed to know where we were Is going. Maps at least. We had maps. Oh boy. But it was out in the middle of the lake that suddenly I questioned where we were going and she asked me the same thing. <laughs> oh. And we realized that we were supervising middle schoolers together without much knowledge of which direction okay we were supposed that to I go. Didn't know
2: about yeah. <laughs> I might not have been She boring. said,
0: "I'm just here for the ride." I said, "Me too." Uh, well, she did she was go- she was planning to cook for us, so that was good. But Yeah. Which feels like a lot of the situations where you think of 99% of the details and then one thing doesn't get communicated and it becomes a big adventure. Mm
2: -hmm. Which part of your job have you loved? Has given you all kinds of good energy?
0: Oh, there's plenty of things that I've loved. I particularly love working with our youth in... Uh, the various trips we've taken, it's been fun to go on retreats with them because there are so many walls that youth have based on their biology and the, the modes that they're in at the time and the screens and technology. And when you have enough time at once to hang out with teenagers, their, their defenses break down a little bit. You can get to know people in a little more of an authentic way. So that's been a favorite thing, the Boundary Waters and ASP and going up to youth retreats in different modes, going on evening adventures to Mall of America or Feed My Starving Children. I uh, also have loved our adventures in creating worship. I think when we started our Arise Worship Band service was It's (laughs) it's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> and we had uh, very few people there, and we've... Probably for really good reasons. Probably for... <laughs> they had reasons for not coming. And uh, so helping cultivate and create such a beautiful service has been really rewarding. And um, while organs are great, the 11am worship is more my heart, my style, my energy. So So I've been grateful to... Have helped create something that is very worshipful for me as an experience too. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as a regular there, I think that that just that shines through the congregation at that service so much. Um, it's it really seems like I don't know whose de- decision it was. I remember getting a call and be like, "Hey, play for us." And I remember just what it was and what it is now. And it's, it's amazing to see what your vision and your, both of your visions, like how they kind of converge to create something really magical.
2: Magical. Yeah. You can. What I like about those services is you can actually feel people creating that worship together, right. uh, which is a really glorious thing. Absolutely. So it's kind of marvelous. Yeah. Katie Lee, if you were talking to a eighth grade girl, about going into ministry? Run away. (laughs) That's an honest answer. (laughs) What what would you think that they should need to know about that? What questions do they need to carry into trying that on their their own person?
0: I think someone in eighth grade now, especially, that would mean it would be a couple years before they were technically going to be in charge of some sort of congregation if that's the direction they wanted to go. Something I've been thinking about and what uh, the Reverend Tyler Sitt said to me recently in passing from New City Church is he said that high schoolers make great church planners. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say to the eighth grade girl, start leading a church right now. And why do high schoolers make great church planners? Well, high schoolers think they're very busy, but they're not as busy as they think they are. <laughs> they don't have to do quite as many things that they think they need to do. Uh, they're passionate. They're energetic. They don't have kids and spouses to worry them. They, uh, church planning can be very cheap, and so even though they don't have a lot of money, that's okay. And they're very thoughtful and wise people, especially our teenagers, here and Mm -hmm. teenagers today are already very introspective and thinking a lot about who they are and what kind of world they want to live in they're great advocates and allies and activists so i i would say also that you learn by doing and the earlier you can start doing the better prepared you'll be when Mm -hmm. you have when you've started so Uh, There's a great TV show, Parks and Recreation. And one of the characters is supposedly a Minnesotan who was the the youngest governor of a city or youngest mayor of a city in Minnesota and failed spectacularly. But I love that image because if you have learned and failed at something at a young age, imagine what will happen once you're done with college or Mm -hmm. grad school. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say.
2: And increasingly, um, I think the, the United Methodist Church and other churches are, um, are not looking to seminaries to train up mm-hmm. leaders of, nope. of uh, faith communities. Um, it's kind of going back to our roots uh, where you raise up indigenous leaders, people who are right there in the culture, and um, listen to each other and coalesce around a shared vision or build that vision together um so I'm hearing you say just get to it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Don't wait till grad school because often we're waiting too long for permission. You're waiting until you have a degree to prove something and get permission to do something and it's pretty clear from the way that the United Methodist Church is going as you're saying that we we don't have time to wait until we get permission. People just need to start moving and mm. start activating. Mhm. And that's in our DNA also. Yes. Which I really like. Yes. Yeah.
2: It's fabulous.
1: So, what, if you could pinpoint one singular moment that, from your your five years here, that is something you will absolutely never forget going forward, something that has... Um, maybe it's a little too dramatic to say changed your life, but really, <laughs> well, how has see, everything see, change, changed your life?
2: <laughs> That's a good
0: question. Yeah, uh, I've told this story a couple times, and actually, was it was just referenced in an article. But a very impactful moment was uh, our Christmas Day service a couple years ago, because I I was here alone; uh, the other pastors were. Probably just listening to us online, but maybe they were sleeping, who knows. But they were Christmas Day doing other things, and I had offered to take on the Christmas Day service. It was a sweet and small and intimate group of hymn singers, Christmas morning, and Right before the service started, as I was walking around in slippers, because it was Slipper Sunday, Sunday, we'd had Pajama Day, so I had my Elf Bell slippers that Brenda Files bought me, and as uh, saw a couple, three members of the Muslim community um, walk in the door with a huge bouquet of flowers, and I was very confused and wondering what was going on. And they looked sheepish and a little nervous, but walked in to say that they had seen our uh, have a blessed Ramadan signs uh, and that that had been very impactful to the Muslim community in town. And so they, because we had blessed them on their holiday, we, they wanted to bless us on our special holiday. And uh, I couldn't convince them to stay for the whole worship, but they came to the beginning and just shared with the group we laid the flowers out on the table by the coffee, and everyone took a flower. And I realized in that moment how much I needed uh, that—I needed that community, that interfaith community—to to feel the sense of God at work at that Christmas. So that was to me a Christmas miracle, oh, and awesome. uh, has been really felt like a turning point for me in some of my sense of who we are as a church and what we're doing and how impactful it is in this community.
2: Well, we've also instituted the interfaith Thanksgiving service, yes. which has helped mm-hmm. to create a sense of shared safe space, which I love. And this was, we, this was
0: none of, none of those three people had mm-hmm. all of those three people had been in our building before.
2: Yep. Yep. And also after the Charlottesville, um, uh, debacle of you know racism and things like that we had a community forum here uh at which i think the sanctuary was full wasn't it yeah 250 300 people came uh to claim our belief that we can do better and certainly intend to here in rochester so building those relationships
0: Yes, that's been In powerful. elf slippers. In elf in slippers, elf. even in elf slippers. Maybe most especially. <laughs> only, only here would we have such an event.
2: <laughs> well, if you're going to be in church on Christmas, you might as well have some. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't listening. <laughs> Napping. So one of the things that, um, that we're, I'm curious about is um, how have you seen, uh, in the five years you've been here, uh, there, there are three different parties, I'd be really curious because you've been out and involved in the community. How have you seen uh, the city of Rochester change in five years? Mm. Um, I'll circle back and ask this again because I'll, I'll want a, an answer at a time if you're willing, of course. Um, how you have seen the city change? How you have seen this church change, most specifically like, like the soul of this church? Um, how have you seen that shift or change? And then I'm really curious about how you've experienced yourself changing in the five years since you walked in the door. So you can start with the city because that's the farthest away, perhaps. <laughs> Starts from,
0: outward I in know, space. And then and then we're just going to drill right on down to the knife, <laughs> yeah, to the center. No knives, no knives.
2: Just gentle holding. <laughs>
0: when I first moved here, there was really one or two local coffee shops. Mm -hmm. one of whom uh, the owner is now in jail, I believe, and prison, unfortunately. And that was very discouraging. I felt like I was coming from some pretty booming city areas where it felt like part of it is my... Privileged bougie desire for lots of fancy coffee shops, but the other part is that small businesses mean a lot to me. I think that they are a sign of a healthy community. I think they're a sign of creativity and culture. They're a place where most famous authors have started their books out of conversations from local taverns and coffee shops, uh, like the Inkling Inklings in C.S. Lewis uh, out in England, and. So I was disappointed to hear that Dunkin Donuts was the new hot thing and that it <laughs> no felt offense. like no, no offense to, no offense to D&D but a little offense uh and so what I've loved seeing about Rochester the last 5 years is how much of a movement towards l- local businesses
2: but 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 yeah, a little altercation with around a local business, as I recall. Oh, I did. Yeah, It'll I did have
0: a little drama. Right, un- oh. unfortunately. <laughs> yes, there is a, a hotly contested conversation about one of the breweries in town. But uh, <laughs> I have enjoyed the that we are kind of all in each other's business in Rochester, that it's a small enough city where people know each other, leaders know each other, and small businesses can have a fighting chance at survival. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done with not having just restaurant groups take over and um, unions take over. But uh, I'm grateful to see that people are trying to do new creative things. People are trying to start new bands. People are having... There's live music to hear every night of the week in the city. So that has grown so much. And I'm most of my favorite places that exist now weren't here when I got here. Hmm. So that's a that's a big one. When it comes to my uh, how I've seen this church change, I think that the culture of the church has really shifted from a pastor-centered church to a to a community-centered church. Uh, and I see Elizabeth nodding her head too. That it seems like this church, when I first got here, there was a little more of a reliance, maybe a timidity around people doing. They're doing ministry themselves. There was an anxiety and a fear around how do we handle being with middle schoolers or how do we handle being with, how do we handle serving? How do we handle doing hospital visits? And there's so much more of a sense now of people claiming their ministry space, people, youth helping lead worship confidently, people feeling like this is their church and they belong here and they want to, they want to fight for what's here and serve here and make a difference here so i'm very grateful about that that we're a place where both people in this community and in this neighborhood want to come to and feel like this is a good catalyst for change and they want to help make it that even more when it comes to how i have changed i think there's lots of things (laughs) i think uh i think i have slightly less opinions about things about things the right way to do things I'm in some healthy ways less confident about the right way to do things all the time Mm -hmm. I think when you first leave any school you can feel very confident uh, in the weird ways So I'm probably less confident in some areas and more confident in others more confident recognizing that everything will be okay in the end no matter no matter what happens that when you have good healthy group of church leaders when you have a healthy church there's grace abounds and the things that seem like the end of the world are not the end of the world. I, I think ministry now is there's a lot less of a template for healthy ministry for me and it's a lot more contextual. I think I saw that there was a specific there's a specific way to preach there's a specific way to church plan or a specific way to make changes in churches as we've done a lot of training the last few years and we've been given a lot of 10-step programs of how to make a difference in our churches or how to grow a church. And it seems like the this church has grown in the healthiest ways when we've sort of adapted and figured things out for ourselves and for this community and actually paid attention deeply enough to know what's the right thing for this place. So I think I've I've changed in those ways of thinking. I've changed in some of my ways of handling my own anxieties and insecurities. I think this church has given me a lot of confidence because it has always really respected me as a leader even as a twerpy young adult <laughs> coming out of seminary. So that has been really helpful. And which which also is another reason why I think especially an eighth grader in this church could do whatever she wanted or whatever he wanted, and I think this church would be incredibly supportive and incredibly helpful in helping those visions happen. So you go, girl, or you go, eighth grader.
2: So it sounds like the church, it felt like the church was supportive of you yes. in that way as well.
0: Yes, the church has been very supportive.
2: Hmm, that's a good thing to hear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's your, uh what's your exit strategy just
2: kidding <laughs>
0: walk out the door it should be uh, run uh, out the door <laughs> um
1: no uh, going going forward what is what does going forward look like to you what what uh what's maybe something you you're going to uh hold with you from here and bring to because the church you correct me if i'm wrong but the church you're going to is uh is a older demographic not so multi-generational more um Right. I believe you said bunch of old hippies.
0: Yeah. A rooted flower power Woo. aging hippies. Yes. Yeah, what I it will be really in so many ways the, the opposite of this community in uh, so basically I'll be sort of starting from scratch and coming with very few expectations as to what's going to happen. And so a lot of my strategy is Prayer and time walking around, and time meeting people, and time working to cultivate as much of my own creative energy as possible. I feel that this community has fueled me a lot and given me a lot of confidence. And as I said before, we really only learn by doing. So I think what I'm really hoping for and praying for is that I will spend a lot of time honoring my own time and make carving out a lot of time for myself to to be mindful to be meditative to be prayerful and to be living an organic sort of life where things happen as they will and i'll follow where that wind of the spirit takes me that's not always the way things work in churches because there's a lot of structure and so i'm excited for the opportunity to have something be so ground zero to be so back to the basics to have uh, so much opportunity for exploration
2: i have i just happen to have a Mary Oliver poem. <gasps> Wonderful. But <laughs> uh, I, I just think this this one speaks to what I hear you saying, and certainly what I pray will be what you experience, and it also speaks to what you've brought into this place. Um, it's called When I Am Among the Trees. Do you know this one?
0: I believe I've heard uh-huh. it. I'm excited to hear you read it. Well,
2: I don't know about that. But Mary <laughs> Oliver writes, When I am among the trees, especially the willows and the honey locust." equally the beech, the oaks, and the pines. They give off such hints of gladness. I would almost say that they save me and daily. I am so distant from the hope of myself in which I have goodness and discernment and never hurry through the world, but walk slowly and bow often. Around me the trees stir in their leaves, then they call out, Stay a while. The light flows from their branches, and they call again. It's simple, they say, and you too have come into the world to do this, to go easy, to be filled with light, and to shine. And so you have done, and so you will do. So we thank you, Katie Lee.
0: Thank you both immensely. I'm so excited. You're giving Terry Gross a run for her money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think she, yeah.
2: she might have a more demure
0: laugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: we'll be holding you in our
0: hearts always. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, all of you.
2: And
1: I'm going to do a little plug for a Christchurch event. We're going to say goodbye to Pastor Katie on June 9th at the uh, 9 and 11 o'clock services. There's going to be food and delights uh, in between.
2: And it's Pentecost. And it's Pentecost. So we thought we'd send her out like Katniss Everdeen. Wear <laughs> <laughs>
0: red.
2: There will, red. There will
0: be fire. The, the makeup. The <laughs> makeup, The costumes. <laughs> dragons but but
2: wear red to church right yes
0: wear some red i need to find Mm. some red in my life i just got some red shoes
2: i was gonna (laughs) look for red shoes
1: can i call you dorothy
2: (laughs) it's a professional expense (laughs)
0: amazing good you're wonderful well thanks so much everyone for
1: checking out the very first arise podcast uh let us know what you think uh Get a hold of us on our Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash Um And I'm sure I'll have more links next time. Um, but check the description for all the info. We hope you have the best weekend. Peace. Yay.